right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time to say Alright, let's go. Break it! Break it! Let it cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm back. and My name is Derek Johnson and I am with Nick Springer. Back. Hey. How'd yesterday go? Oh, it was good. Okay, good. good. Nothing burned down. Nothing broke. Always a positive. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes leaving me alone with something can result in a lot of bad things. So, nothing bad happened. Good. As far as I can tell. Good, good, good. I didn't break anything. I didn't burn anything down. There was no cuss no, words set on air, no dump buttons hit. It was close, but no. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Uh, you know, so, you know, survive in advance. Survive in advance. That's all that matters. Well, we'll have a uh, survival and advancement today. Oh, we get back to RCST trivia. We'll have Chris Yurchak, Kyle Martin in the grade eight round of the Pella Windows and Doors region coming up in the four o'clock hour as we get through the grade eight over the course of this week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Shreyas Lada is going to join the show at 340 to talk a little KU basketball with us. Some more on Kevin McCuller with Shreyas. We've got a top 10 moments of the 2022 to 23 season for KU basketball list. A little KU football talk as we're now 100 days out. Plenty more to come on this edition of the show. Okay, so you were on vacation, right? Yes, correct. Where where, where did you go? I, went to I, never, even, I never even asked you. Oh, you no, did we, on we Friday. We did have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. we did have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I went to Des Moines. Des Moines? Had a wonderful time. How was it? I, it was good. Did good? all sorts of fun things. This sounds like a suspicious question. No, it's not suspicious okay. at all. I'm just asking now. No. Uh, how was the trip? It was good. We went out on Saturday. It was did good Did you go weather. to uh, any of the places you told me to go to? I went to Zombie Burger, had a delicious milkshake. Um, nice. Split, What's the name of that uh, fries. Chinese pizza place? Mr. Fong's Pizza. Did went you go there, there as well. Uh, Got some crab yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even go there when I was there. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Um, I don't know. We went to, we went to the casino. Uh, went to some of the horse racing going on on Sunday. We, we checked those out. Um, Do they have a sports book there? Yep. They have a sports book. Nice. Did some, some fun times there. And then... Uh, I don't know. We, we walked around, went to some of the different sites and scenes to see in Des Moines. Uh, we rented an Airbnb that was on a little lake. So, you know, oh, that's fishing nice. in the backyard and oh, everything. And Did you catch anything? It was a good time. Yeah, it was, it was really easy. They were these little just like perch that ah. you would throw your pole in and they were the dumbest fish ever. <laughs> You'd catch it and then throw it back in and immediately put your pole back in. And the <laughs> fish would be like, oh, wait, look, food again. <laughs> and it would just catch it again. So, yeah, no, it was wow. a good time. It was a good uh, relaxing time. Nice. Good little summer vacation. Cool. I'm back yeah, now. Nice. And I, I come back with a burning question that I know is going to rile up some KU fans. Ah, so you were pondering while you were. I was, and uh, you know, one one uh, one like aspect of KU basketball that there become a lot of gatekeepers on in the KU community is okay. Who deserves to be up in the rafters, and what does it take to get up in the up in the rafters? Mm. So here I am about to talk to you about a potential. Of a player who hasn't even played a second of basketball for KU. Now, Marco Jackson? Nope. Oh. <laughs> but who might only play one year at KU. Marcus Adams? Nope. Oh. Keep guessing, though. 
um, who has a real chance to get his jersey retired after one year. Nick Timberlake? Nope. You're running out of names, though, so I think you'll get there eventually. Jamari McDowell? Still no. I'm a little discouraged. Chris by the Johnson? Of, again, no. I think you have, like, two players left to choose from now. <laughs> Um, uh, that would be one Hunter Dickinson. Oh, yeah, oh, that guy. oh, the guy that we've spent oh, yeah. past weeks and oh. days talking about. Oh, him. Yes. Oh, oh, that guy. And you know, right. I, I oh, think it's yeah. an interesting discussion for me from the standpoint of like it. I, I could be wrong with this, but thinking back off the top of my head, there is not a player in KU basketball history who has been in Lawrence for one year and has gotten their jersey up in the rafters. Like Will true. Chamberlain was here multiple years. I mean, the one and done thing really didn't start happening. Um, I guess if, if there was a transfer that came in for one year, but even then, like you think of past great KU transfers, they were here for multiple years. The Rex Walters, the Jared Haas, right? Um, but those guys don't obviously have the jersey retired. And y- you almost felt like since the one and done thing, and now that the transfer thing is becoming more of a a real option that is filling up rosters. It's going to happen eventually. I wonder if he's the guy that breaks through. Like, because uh, at the end of the day, if you're only at Kansas for one year, you're never going to get in the rafters on career accomplishment. That's just never going to happen. But we so do you know have there to be, are certain you criteria. You have to be either National Player of the Year or a National Champion. National Player of the Year, uh, Final Four MOP. I think that if you're a national champ, if you're the best player on the national championship team, but you don't win Final Four MOP, that would be an interesting debate if you're only here one year. Oh, I, I guess yeah. it depends on what else you accomplished. If you're only like a third team All-American, you're the best player on a title team, but no. you weren't Final Four MOP, no. But I know there are certain criteria that are like automatic goes-tos. If you're a consensus first team All-American, I believe, you get up there. If you're a national player of the year, you get up there, which you would just be a consensus first team All-American at that point. If you're Final Four MOP... You get up there, right? Does so there big, are avenues. Does Big 12 Player of the Year get you up there or no? No, it does not, but there is, like, I think for Bill Self, he's yeah, I mean, kind of lacks a little just on it. Yeah, do whatever correct. he wants. With Roy Williams, it was more strict. With Bill Self, he's, like, with Marcus Morris, he was a second-team All-American. Consensus second-team All-American. He was Big 12 Player of the Year. And for him, it was just like, because I think, I'm trying to remember the other big men that, that were 2011, but I, I remember it being like a really good year uh, of big men nationally. I think like Jared Solinger, and I don't know, there, there was a really good year. Um, so it kept him off the first team, basically. And so that was like kind of an exception made to the rule. So I guess point being, if the expectations for Hunter Dickinson this year. I mean, yeah. the expectations 18 and 9. Correct. Right. And if you put up 18 and 9 on a Kansas team where the expectations for the team is to be a top five team in the country, you're going to be an All-American, whether it's first or second team. Probably. And if you do end up being a first team All-American, and you do end up being a National Player of the Year candidate or win National Player of the Year, you're like probably going to have a good chance to make a deep run of the tournament. Right. At that point. And then... But I feel you like get your jersey retired. I feel like you have to win national player of the year and win the national championship in one one year. I think if you win national player of the year, you're in no matter what. No, 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 no. You got to make the. You got to make at least the final four. Do you know how many players in KU history have won national player of the year? It's a small list. It, I mean, that is literally saying but you had but the you're best talking, player in the country. Yes, but you're talking for one year. For one year, you need to do more. I think. If you're the national player of the year, like like you know, over the course of a career where you did a bunch of other stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. sure, great. Only one year. I I disagree. 
I think that's that's good enough. I think if you win National Player of the Year, you're good enough no matter what that Hunter Dickinson would get well, his jersey. Well, okay, here's retired. the issue with Hunter Dickinson winning National Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. If Zach Eady is back, is he going to be able to win it? Maybe. Voter fatigue? Right after, after the way Purdue that's lost true. last year? That's true. Yeah, Purdue sucks. I forgot. <laughs> Do you think... I, I think it becomes more of an interesting debate if he is... Like, let's say this is the season. Okay. Final four, but not a national title. That, that's sad. Consensus second team All-American. Big 12 player of the year. No. In theory, if that was, to your point, a three-year player where the first two years were even just meh, he, go, he goes... Think about this. Thomas Robinson. Thomas Robinson. Um, I don't think they've officially retired his jersey yet, right? But they've been trying to for like the last year or two. I believe so. I mean, he's going to get his jersey retired. Basically, we know that. Um, or, or jersey hanging in the rafters. He was a consensus first-team All-American his final year of school. He was the Big 12 Player of the Year. That team made the title game. But his first two years combined, he scored 334 points. Like, in theory, I know it is viewed as, oh, T-Rob was a three-year player at KU. But in th- for, for all intents and purposes about why his jersey is being retired, it's just because of one year. So how is that any different than Hunter Dickinson in theory? Because you it's it's there's continuity. I don't I don't I think you're getting into territory where what you alluded to at the start of the segment, KU basketball fans are going to hold Hunter Dickinson to a significantly higher standard. Oh, because I agree. of the fact that he will potentially have only been here for one year. Yeah, so I agree. So so by the way, that hypothetical I just gave you, second team all American, final four, not a title. Big 12 player of the year, I don't think he gets in. No, I don't think he does either. I think it has to be national player. To me, national player of the year, I know for you it it left something open for debate. Uh, national player of the year for me, even if they lose in the first round, I think that's in for me. Um, Dude, come on. You got you to gotta make a run. Well, I mean, there's an interesting comparison there with Diedrich Lawson, who was, gosh, was he was he first team All-American? He wasn't first team. I mean, was he second team or was he third team All-American? Because that could be an interesting one. You're talking about a guy who played one year at KU, put up 19 and 10 per game on good efficiency. He he was a third-team All-American. And that's not going to get his jersey retired. No. Do you think if that KU team makes the Final Four that we'd be talking more about that, though? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. I mean, if they win the title, he probably does, right? Yes. So there's interesting the lines debate. that kind of sink this out. No, I know. It, it's all it's all gray. Yeah. It's all just a bunch of mishmash of random right. whatever the hell. But I think that Dickinson has a real chance to be first team all American. I would agree. But with that. I, I and that is a criteria. If you're an unanimous first team all American, you get to go up there. But I don't know But if he's if he's unanimous if he's only unanimous first team all American, doesn't win national player of the year. At that point you'd like, be big twelve player of the year, like I'd Zach imagine. Zach Eady or somebody else wins national mm-hmm. player of the year. But he's big twelve player of the year. Unanimous first team All American. Can you lose in the first round? Yeah, I think so. Or second round. At the end of the Is he day, still getting I mean, up with that. The rafters are should be about like individual success. At the end of the day, the the team award should be about team success. But like, okay, I well, how well your team does you're trying to in the impact, tournament, right? That encapsulates your individual success. Does it not? If I, you lose in the second round as a team. You also lost in the second round as an individual. I think that's where the lack of years really comes into play. Like, for instance, Sharon Collins, his two years that he was an All-American, second round out in a Sweet 16. He happened to win a title, but he wasn't a starter. 
You know, so like it, it changes the way you view things. But realistically, if he never won a title or if he wasn't on the title team, he would have still gotten his jersey in the rafters just from his last two years. More you know? than likely, yeah. So I don't know on that. That that's a very interesting question. Now, if he does win Final Four MOP, like for sure you're up. Okay, there. but let's say let's say Dickinson decides he's going to stay for two years, which he could. And in his first year, that changes things completely. Yeah, and in his first year, he's like, I don't know, second team All American, or whatever. KU makes a pretty good run, and then in his second year, he's National Player of the Year, and they go to the Final Four. Again, I, to yes. me, National Player of the Year is just automatic. I'm pretty sure that is yes, hundred um, percent. I th- I think I would almost view it if Hunter Dickinson came back a second year as it's almost like a guarantee at that point he would get his jersey in the rafters. Well, what if that? But it could be him coming back for a second year means that he had a disappointing first year. Uh, this is the original criteria for a retired jersey included. KU players named College Basketball Player of the Year, Most Valuable Player of the NCAA Tournament, are being named a four-time All-American. <laughs> but it's part of that original criteria. That's what it says. If you're if you're the College Basketball Player of the Year, you get up there. Fine. It's open shot case there. Sure. The list was expanded in 1997 to include Ray Evans, who holds the distinction of being an All-American in both football and basketball. The criteria was again expanded prior to the 2002 to 2003 season to include consensus first-team All-Americans two-time first-team All-America selections, and academic All-American of the Year. Okay. And then the list was expanded in 2006 to include radio people, Max Falkenstein. And then, quote from Bill Self in 2009, there is really not a criteria other than the greatest players that play here deserve to be considered for that. (laughs) So that was basically what you opened it up with with the Morstons. But basically, you go back to the original criteria, and then you add the the one in 0203. If you are a consensus first-team All-American... That's what that says. You get your jersey retired. Okay, that means one year sure. of that. Fine. He's up there. He's up there. I, um, but 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 you look at the quote. It's best players in program history. Is the guy that's in for one year? Is he the best player in program history? I guess if he was a first team consensus all American. <laughs> but for one year, only sure. one year. Sure. I I do think though this is it's an interesting conversation to me because of the fact that like it's going to happen eventually, whether it's Hunter Dickinson or not. With as many freshmen who are one and dones nowadays, with as many, I mean, the, yeah, like, uh, like, like you said, I mean, if he if he's national player of the year, and KU makes a pretty good run of the tournament, probably he's up there. Yes. So, from that by that logic, anybody could do it. Yeah, I, I mean, right? you could think back like how easily it could have happened for someone. Like, imagine if if the 2016-17 team, if they would have not had the stinker against Oregon, and that team ends up winning the title, and Obviously, Frank would have been the favorite to win MOP at that point. What if, what if, Josh, what if Jackson Josh Jackson just, just went nuts. off right in the yeah. Final Four national title, and he was Final Four MOP at that point? He would have been in already, right? Or, or maybe not. What the ceremony might not have happened yet, but like we would know he would be in. Um, Remy Martin could have got dangerously close to winning Final Four MOP, and if that would have happened, he would be in. And that one is interesting to me the most because now you're talking about a guy who underperformed for most of the season or didn't, or didn't play, play for most of the season. And if Remy Martin would have won a Final Four MOP, he would have got his jersey in the rafters. Think about that. Isn't Maybe. that crazy? Well, I, again, I I think this it all comes down to Bill Self. Bill Self has the unequivocal authoritative power to either veto or override anybody from getting in or out, I feel like. 
right? I think to a that? certain extent, but I think I think there's more involved. I think there's so like donors if, like, are more involved in this like than you would Remy think. Martin did what you suggested he might have done. Mm-hmm. I think Bill Self could have been like, no, no, no. I I think you're missing the point. I think that there are those set structures they've said in the past. Like those are things. Okay, those are guarantees. If you accomplish that, you are going up there. That is not a a guideline. The Bill Self comment is more about expanding past the guidelines. Of if you didn't accomplish this, but you did this or this, we can get creative with it. If you accomplish one of those things, you are going up there. It's that cut and dry. And so, yeah, I think there is a good chance that because that is my expectation for Hunter Dickinson to be a real contender for National Player of the Year, to be a real contender for first team unanimous All-American, to be a Big 12 Player of the Year, for KU to be a good team. And if those things happen, he's going to have his jersey retired. And that kind of does blow my mind from the one-year standpoint because we haven't seen that opened up just yet. And you might be like, Nick, you might be saying, well, that's not good enough for me. I'm just saying that's what the criteria is. And whether it's right or wrong, I think there's probably better than 50 chance, 50% chance it happens. Do you think he's got a better than 50% chance of winning the National Player of the Year? No, not National Player of the Year, just getting his jersey retired. So or what, jersey hanging in the rafters. What else would he have to do besides getting? Well, again, first team consensus All American. I mean, if if Kansas is a one seed, puts up nineteen and ten, he's probably on the first team, right? I guess there are enough big men that could keep him off. You mentioned Zach Eady. I still don't know what Oscar Sheboy is going to do, right? Yeah. Um. What else? There, there's other good big men out there, right? Kyle Filipowski. It's entirely possible that doesn't happen. Yeah. And yeah, I think. I think going back to the the I mean, original what if, hypothetical. What if Armando Baycott just becomes sure. good again? Yeah. So I got I don't know. Maybe, maybe me saying more than fifty percent. Maybe I'll walk that back a little bit. Um, but that is the expectation for a lot of Kansas fans. You know, first team All American. Oh yeah. Again, I mean, like you said, if he averages nineteen and ten, and Kansas is a one seed, mm-hmm. just by those two factors alone, you would say he has a pretty good yeah. chance of being right. Well, maybe that was the big difference for Dedrick Lawson. He averaged the 19 and 10, but they were four seed. But they weren't very good. No, they didn't win the Big 12, yeah, right? They so, yeah. average 19 and 10, Kansas wins the Big 12. That probably gets it done. You probably won Big 12 Player of the Year. Yes. Yeah. And you're probably right in that, right on the cusp of that conversation. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I still, I know it I sounds know, like man. such Dude, a simple thing. If you win thing, the National but... Player of the Year and then you lose in like the first or second round, though, I don't think it matters. I don't know. At that point. You don't think somebody could veto that? I mean, I guess, but like I I don't know who has the authoritative power. I don't think this is as simple as like Bill Self is the judge, jury, and executioner. There's that's donors how, that that's get how I thought of it. No, it's not. Not at all. He has, I'm sure, maybe just as much, if not more say than anybody, but there's like, I, there's a panel. I don't know who's all on the panel. Oh. There's like donors, I'm sure. I don't There's think I don't I know, knew people that. of power. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a whole thing. Um, so it definitely gets a little sticky when trying to figure that out. But again, they do have these set structures where it's like if you accomplish this, you go up there. And so, just food for thought. So it's not just Bill Zelf is the czar. No, no, not necessarily. Because then what happens if you have like, what happens if you have just some coach who like comes in after Bill Self and he's not very good for two years, but he just like inducts all his guys like right after they play, you know? So well, it can't no, just I'm be saying, about. I, it's, I'm, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. It's not when I say Bill Self. I mean 
No, I mean Bill Self the person, not Bill Self the head coach. Right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I think I get what you're saying. But yeah, no, no. So um, I think there's a good chance that it happens. And uh, certainly I think that would be a shock to some KU fans. We'll have to circle back to this in about 10 months. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Shreyas Lotto going to join us in about 15 minutes on RCST. It's KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by Shreyas Lotta of the Kansas City Star. And last week, just last week, we had John and we asked you to give us a number on Kevin McCuller returning. I think you said 25%. I could be wrong on that. Um, would you, after after getting to soak in everything that happened at the Combine, had a couple scrimmages, one where uh looked pretty good on the stat sheet, the other one where it was a struggle, I think 19 minutes, 0 for 5, a couple turnovers, fouled out of the game, um, and then maybe just hearing some comments that, that he might have given or whatnot. Would you change that number at all, or, or would it still be the same for you? I feel like it's going to be lower, honestly. I mean, you know, those comments uh, that he gave uh, to Isaac, I believe, uh, it was. I thought they were pretty interesting just because it seems like there might be some pressure from, you know, whether it's KU or other places or whatever, of him to come back. But it, it clearly seems like he wants to go back and, you know, play in the NBA, whether that's a two-way contract or, uh, you know, it gets drafted as a, a late second pick, uh, second round pick. I was talking to uh, Jeremy Wu, ESPN, about this actually today, um, and he was like, "I just don't see uh, him coming back in the sense of like if he comes back, what is his role going to look like?" And I was talking to him about it, and uh, you know, how much more can his draft stock go up? You know, the the big question mark with him is, of course, the shooting, and uh, if, if his shooting is something that you know he can convince that a he could add to an NBA team. Maybe he has a good draft workout or whatever, and he gets picked late second. Um, I don't think it would make a ton of sense to go back. And I, I just think it, there's more risk and reward uh, there for him. I mean, he's already an older guy, like Jeremy was saying, and you know how much more can he really show at this point? He is what he is, and, and I kind of agree with that sentiment. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess I hadn't even thought about that. Do you think that is something that, that is being weighed on the mind of, of what the role would exactly look like? Or, or do you think, I don't know, like like is KU maybe trying to get him back and, and saying that there is a certain role or something? Or, or do you feel like it's not as easy to find his role on this year's team based on the personnel than, than like last year? I definitely think it's a little more of a, a different role than last year. Uh, I think, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where he is. You know, obviously his defense is always going to put him on the floor and play big minutes and probably start the starting lineup, and he would kind of slot in at that three spot. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious to kind of see, uh, you know, how much more touches would he get? How many more shots would he take? Uh, just overall, how much more of a, a chance to have the ball in his hands will he really get on this team uh, with a guy like Dickinson and a guy like KJ is trying to get better on the offensive end? DeWan already facilitates. He has the name. The ball in his hands, and you have a guy like Timberlake, Al Marco, who could, you know, either one of them could start, most likely Timberlake. You know, there are guys who can handle the ball in his hands and shoot. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where I'm sure KU wants them back, um, but it, it is hard to convince a guy to come back for the sixth year. And, um, I, you know, I, I know he loved his time at KU, and I, I, his family loved KU, and I think. There is always consideration for that, but I think he's so focused on taking that next level as a pro, whether that's in the NBA or the G League or overseas. Um, I think it's, it would be a tough uh, 
you know, sell to him. And I, I don't really blame them uh, or blame him or his family if they were to, uh, you know, just stick with whatever happens, whether he gets drafted or not. Well, I, I wonder, I guess, that that brings up an interesting point because I, I know Bill Self, when the first time he spoke to the media after the uh, kind of, I don't know, uh, condition, heart condition, whatever you want to call it, after the uh, Big 12 tournament, the first time we spoke to him uh, a few weeks after the season ended, mentioned something to the tune of Kevin McCuller last year having multiple two-way contract guarantees, but that wasn't enough for him. Do you get the sense that this year that would be enough for him to stay in, or do you think he he would only stay in if he gets a guaranteed offer um, for like a real contract? I think that might be enough. Uh, you know, like it, it is a little tougher of a draft this year. You know, I mean, you have two less uh, picks, so you know that's two less options for him to go to teams and stuff like that. Um, but in the sense of you know, it almost might be better for him to be undrafted and have his pick of teams to kind of pick from. Uh, if he doesn't have like uh, you know, like would you rather be picked at fifty? with a team that you can't really control where you go to, or would you like to have you kind of pick a team and figure out, oh, can I get real playing time in this roster, or can I go from the G League to the NBA? Um, I think almost might be better for him. Uh, I, I obviously, just because of the undrafted, the way undrafted contracts are structured, you have a little more freedom and variability, um, and, and the chance to earn a little more. Uh, you're not under team control as much uh, as the second-round pick is. I think that's why a lot of times... Uh, guys are always talking about, uh, you know, sometimes they bet on themselves and they want to be undrafted guys rather than get picked at 50 or something um, and then go, you know, be under team control for two, three years and not have the chance to really showcase their skills uh, at a, a team where they can uh, really kind of prove who they are. Uh, I think Kevin's going to be an interesting case because, you know, clearly he had a good game one and, and you know, game two, it was not his best effort. And, uh you know, I think it's going to really come down to, is there a team in the draft that kind of falls in love with his skill set? You know, I could easily see a team like you know, the Miami Heat really loving his defense. They're like, okay, we'll teach him to work on his shooting a little bit. Or, you know, is there a team that feels like he can come in and be a good guy on the G League team and develop for a year or two and then eventually get to the NBA? There probably is. I, I'm just, you know, I think it's one of those things where he's going to have to weigh out how much more uh, can I really improve another year, and is that enough to push me up draft boards because I'll be 24 by the time I get out of college? Yeah, uh, I guess that's a good point. I, I wonder how much does the Heat's success with all these undrafted players, and, and obviously that's been a thing that's been going on for years now, but the fact that they're on the the doorstep of making an NBA Finals led by a bunch of these undrafted guys like your Gabe Vincents of the world, do you think that, that does weigh in at all to, to a decision like this? Yeah. I think so. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Austin Reeves. You're looking at those guys. Like, guys, you're seeing a lot more in the NBA. Developmental guys are coming in, and, you know, they're coming in undrafted or late second or whatever, and, and they're playing real minutes. It just takes them a couple of years to kind of find the right system, the right team. I mean, you know, as much as it hurts me to say it, as a Celtics fan, the Lakers have done a phenomenal job finding guys kind of diamonds in the rough and, and really, re, you know, getting their career back on track. Hachimura. Uh, Malik Monk last year, Austin Reeves, you know, like all these guys were like, you know, didn't have the, the, they were either at one point highly touted or were not touted at all, like in Austin Reeves' case. And, you know, they found roles in the NBA and they're making, going to make a ton of money, I think, next contract. Um, and, and the Heat have done the exact same thing, you know, except with untrafted guys. And they found a role and 
you know, they, they find a way to get them to contribute, even if they have deficiencies in their game. And in Kevin's case, the deficiency is shooting, which is probably the biggest skill the NBA has offered. But, uh, you know, the defense that he has is phenomenal. And I think it, he's one of the best defenders in college basketball. So, you know, it, it just, I think, comes down to if he can work on that shot a little bit, um, you know, I think a team will take a chance on it. Do you think at this point in time, KU with two open scholarships, I, I guess technically they could go to three if they didn't want to use any of their scholarship production this year. Uh, at this point in time, do you think it's more likely they use both or that they use one of them? I think they're going to use at least one. I mean, at this point, it feels like it's been a little dead on the you know recruiting stuff in the sense that they're waiting on a couple of guys. I think they're waiting on what happens with Arthur Galuma, uh, the Creighton kid, uh, just to see if he's going to the NBA or not. You know, that's a, a name that's been in the, uh, the rumor mill a little bit, and I think they're definitely interested. Um, and uh, just, you know, trying to see what they can get, whether it's a big wing or another big. I'm curious to see what they end up with. I could easily see them going for a three or four. Um, but I think they'll at least use one uh, out of that. I think just the way it's playing out, I think it'll probably be one rather than two. Any chance that... You think it's possible they wouldn't use either of them? Like if if you mentioned with Kaluma, for instance, let's say Kaluma stayed in the draft. Let's say a lot of these guys end up staying in the draft. Kevin McCuller stays in the draft. Like Grant Nelson stays in the draft. Do you think there is a world out there where they would be content just shutting it down and saying, we're good with what we have? I think I'd be really surprised. I think they just need players at this point. You know, like it is a thing where they need another guy that I think can average like, you know, 10 a game or something would be really nice. But just if they can get another wing, I feel like I was looking at the projection of the rotation and just looking at where, who they would start. I look at that three spot and I just don't know, are they going to play three guards? Are they going to play El Marco at the three with uh, Timberlake at the two or, you know, flip flop them around or whatever with the one at the one. I don't know. I mean, those guys are not super tall. Um, and, and I think, you know, we saw it last year with the Baylor when you play three guards, it just leads you susceptible to kind of awesome uh, mismatches and, and nobody's over six, four, you know, out of those three guys. Um, so I, I think they really, if, you look at the market, it'll be tough, but there are a couple guys that have, you know, decommitted could be late uh, picks, you know, in the sense of like they were 2023 class uh, guys who decommitted, and I'm sure they've been looking at, I know uh, maybe the Tennessee kid that decommitted uh, that is going through the uh, kind of the NBA draft stuff, all that stuff. He could be another option, Julian Phillips. And I, I just think they need one more guy at least just because the roster right now is a little incomplete. And I think, you're relying on freshmen to make uh, a big, just kind of a leap, I think, there that, you know, you can't rely on all four to be productive. You hope two of them are productive. And uh, if two of them are productive, just based on the roster, you need at least one more guy. Well, you uh, just wrote a, a cool piece uh, switching over to baseball here on Chase Jans for the Kansas City Star, who's had a really good season for KU baseball this year. They're heading into the Big 12 tournament. You can hear all that action here on KLWN over the course of the week. Uh, what was your favorite part about talking with Chase and, and writing that piece that you just put out there? I think one of the coolest things about Chase is his ability to be really open about um, his struggles. I mean, he talked about never experiencing really failure in his athletic side of things. Um, and I think that's something you don't really hear a lot of athletes talk about. I think he was very introspective for the fact that he had to get better. He couldn't just rely on what he called his God-given talents. Um, and I think that's what he was relying on his you know, freshman year. 
Um, and I thought it was really cool that the idea of even entering the transfer portal after a rough season for him and the rough Kansas baseball season last year wasn't even his mind because he's like, you know, my, my family's the type of family that shows up to every single game and, uh, you know, I want them there. They even go to the most of the road games. And, um, you know, I, I think for him, the biggest thing that I learned about him just was his openness and ability to talk about mental health and just the mental like battle that baseball is. It's a long season. It's easy to get down on yourself or really high on yourself. And um, I think that's one of the biggest things that baseball is different than basketball and football in the sense of like, it's such a long season just because you strike out three times in one game means nothing in the long run. If it's a continuous process, then obviously things need to change, but you can't get down to yourself because you had one bad day when there's, you know, 40 other games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, I don't know, did you did you get any sense from uh, Chase about their, their confidence level as a team kind of headed into the Big 12 tournament? I think I think they're, you know, excited, uh, you know, to show who they are. I mean, obviously, they've had a little better of a year than last year. Um, I know Dan is, is trying to put together a team that he can, uh, you know, be a contender in a, a tough conference. And, um, you know, I, I think they think they can take anybody, and I think that's the right attitude because really anything can happen in this tournament. So we've seen it firsthand. Well, uh, I, I did have a couple NBA questions to finish with you. Uh, this probably hasn't been super fun for you watching the uh, the Celtics here, so I, I'm actually generally curious. Do you think that the Celtics should or will kind of blow things up? I, I think Jalen Brown's under contract one more year after this year. I don't mean when I say blow it up, they like you know rebuild or anything, but uh, kind of reshuffle the deck around Jason Tatum or something like that. If if they do lose tonight, I think it's. Uh, you know, I, I want to see the effort level tonight. You know, if like they get blown out again, I, you know, maybe the emotional side of me is like, let's blow it up, let's uh, let's trade everybody but Tatum and <laughs> Rob Williams or whatever. But I, uh, I definitely think they got to do a little bit of tinkering, whether it's with Missoula and getting rid of him, or just adding some guys who are more experienced with the coaching staff. Because I just don't think he's quite ready yet. Um, and I think there is. Like, you look at this Celtics team, they've had the same issues for five years. They're a really talented team. Ever since the Jays have taken over as the core really the last three or four years, they've always struggled in the clutch. You know, they've had a couple of games where they've showcased how good they are. But I think it's just one of the growing pains of young basketball players. And are they ever going to really learn it? I, I don't know. I hope they will. They're 26 and 25. But um, I think it's it's going to be an interesting you know, I, I just never expected them to kind of go out sad like this, so I'm hoping they win tonight. Um, but who knows? I, I've been surprised by this Miami Heat run, and uh, just like everybody else, but it's a testament to Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and the rest of that uh, team that is phenomenal. Okay, so I have, a, I have a fun one here. The last time the Celtics won the NBA title was when they were led by Jayhawk Wing. So uh, keep that in mind. Would you do this trade if you're Boston? Jalen Brown traded to Orlando. For Bull Bull, Jalen Suggs, some future firsts, and the sixth pick in this year's draft, which is used to take Grady Dick. Does that work? Uh, I would not do that trade. <laughs> <laughs> Figured uh, it was uh, worth it. No, no. Jalen's an all-NBA winning. You can, you can say whatever about his slow ball IQ or his defense lapses at times or whatever, but guys who average 27 a game just don't grow on trees. And, uh, you know, as big as a Grady Dick fan I am, I don't think he's ever going to average 27 a game. I think he'll have a very long NBA career. I'm not super high on Bull Bull. I think he's a liability on defense. And Jalen Suggs is 
well, he's all right, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I just don't feel like any of those guys. It's like you know you're trading, you know, pennies or really quarter on the dollar for for Jalen Brown, and you're hoping one of those guys strikes gold and becomes even half as good as as he is. And I think that's a lot to ask. All right, if we if we do get Heat Nuggets in the finals, what would be your pick? I think it's uh, Nuggets in five. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's Shreyas Lotta. You can find him, including that latest piece on Chase Jans in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. Shreyas, appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good talk to you guys. That was Shreyas joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to him for uh, coming on the show. One hour down, two to go. We're going to talk a little RCST trivia. Then we have our first grade eight matchup coming up later in the four o'clock hour between the three seed Kyle Martin, the five seed Chris Yurchek in the Pella Windows and Doors region. We also have a top 10 moments of the 2022 to 23 KU basketball season. And we're 100 days out from uh, KU football. We'll get all to that and more throughout the day on RCST. We also got High School Sports Weekly coming at you later tonight from six to seven it's the finale of high school sports weekly over at burgers by biggs on wakarusa and bob billings you can go on out for the show with the eudora high school girls soccer team from six to seven here on klwn for nick springer i'm Derek johnson one hour down two to go more rcst next on klwn klwn.com the klwn app depend on it Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. The moment you've been waiting for, we get to our first phenomenal or phenomenal four, I guess, we'll have somebody who's in it after this. What? Uh, that was me just trying to save me accidentally saying phenomenal four instead of grade eight matchup. But I did not do it well. Nonetheless, we have our first we have our first grade eight matchup what? of the week. Dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Uh, it is between the three seed Kyle Martin and the five seed Chris Yurchek. Kyle enters this one at nine and three all time in trivia. He is thirty nine and eight on questions, ten and one this year. Chris is eight and three on trivia all time, thirty four and eight on questions, nine and zero oh this year. This is the first grade eight for both these competitors. They've combined for seven sizzling sixteen, so a lot of consistency and strong play between these two. But both looking for that first advancement to the Phenomenal Four. Once again, trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And this will be in the Pella Windows and Doors region. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. Got a Windows and Doors project. Pella Kansas is here locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with Windows and Doors solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at PellaKansas.com. Thoughts on this matchup? Okay, couple thoughts. I'm curious about Kyle here, and here's why. The storyline for Kyle was he couldn't break through to the grade eight, right? That was the storyline. Mm-hmm. Made the season 16, couldn't get through the grade eight. He's finally through to the grade eight. The question is, how will he react to that? Will it be a, oh, the pressure's off my shoulders, I finally got through that one wall that I kept hitting, and now I'm just going to play loose, play, play free, see what happens? Or is it going to be the opposite? Is it going to be... All of he finally broke you're through too comfortable now. To the grade eight, and yeah. now it's and now you're like you you wasted all your energy right on on getting through that that previous brick wall that you ran into. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be what is he going to have enough to then get up for this matchup? Is the question. So that's what I'm interested in with Kyle. With Chris, it's kind of a, a similar conversation, but with Chris, it's the idea of probably went into the matchup against Eric not expecting to win, right? Well, now he's able to upset Eric, and here he is. What's his reaction to that? Is he is he coming in? With the flame lit of hey riding high, I just beat the you know 
arguably the goat of this entire tournament. What, but what's his reaction going to be? So I'm I'm very curious about that. You know, this is the round where we really start to get into guys feeling the pressure, right? I mean, it, it makes sense. There's there's pride. There's prizes. There's you know just wanting to be the smartest trivia guy out there on the line, and it all comes down to this. Yeah, and uh, I I think with you know in that same vein of of Kyle, like we've seen that before with Ku, like in 08, like it was it was such a big deal for Bill Self to get through to the Final Four. He had never made it before, and then once he made it through, you saw against North Carolina they played so free and it worked out well. But yeah, yeah came if, out guns if you are comfortable and and you know that might not work out. Now on the same thing, I think it's interesting for Chris because also for him this is the furthest he's ever been. But for him specifically. He just took down Eric. Yes. And so, like, you're riding this the goat, high. Literally the GOAT. Exactly. Arguably the GOAT. How many times have we seen a team, like, win a game they're not supposed to or win this crazy game? Like, I think back to the Chiefs. Uh, they, they beat the Bills in the 13-second the game. Oh, It was yeah. the overtime. And then the next week, you fall flat against Cincinnati in the second half. Or I think to, like, Wisconsin upsets undefeated Kentucky in the first round of the Final Four. And then they fall flat against Duke in the title game toward the, the last or 10 minutes. Look at, or look at KU. This is another kind mm-hmm. of a different example. But look at KU in the 2017 tournament. They absolutely yeah. annihilate Purdue, and then, then just they fall just flat. fall flat. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how this one goes. Uh, but... Uh, before we get into the matchup, one of our other title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary. That's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence where you can be a part of the neighborhood porch. Of course, there's now 13 locations of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. You can eat the Nuclelouche pizza or the Buffalo chicken dip or Wilson wings, anything in between. And you want to try their new beer, the Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get a Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. Into the matchup. Our first phenomenal four spot is on the line between the three-seed Kyle Martin and the five-seed Chris Yurchek. This is in the Pella Windows and Doors region. And Chris, I want to start with you. You took out Eric Hansey last round in the Sizzling 16. Uh, That was the first time Eric has not made a phenomenal four. And moving on to this round for the first time in your trivia career. Now, as you get here, because I'd imagine in the moment it was a huge celebration and you probably felt like at the time, like, anything that happens from here is the cherry on top. But now that you are here, do the expectations change? Does it become about trying to win the whole thing, trying to get to the Phenomenal Four? What What is your mindset? Well, as I've said from the beginning, my only goal in this tournament is to get that T-shirt every time. But, but now that I'm here, I want to keep going. And uh, I felt pretty good after beating Eric. Then I get to hear... Kyle's study partners go in the next couple the last couple days and they keep saying how uh, he's better than them and they answered some pretty tough questions so we'll see yeah Kyle um, I'm curious from that study group perspective uh, obviously Andrew just fell a little bit short in his sizzling 16 matchup was he still helpful for you and Isaac this week though he was we uh, we studied last night he put together uh, some questions Isaac and I went back and forth uh, and then pulled some notes that we had we had taken as well. So yeah, he, he jumped in, and you know the last couple of years I'd I'd helped him him after he knocked me out. So it was uh, maybe not nice for him that he got to return the favor this year, but I sure appreciated it. Uh, Kyle, uh, nerves did they start to set in at all, and and if so, when over the weekend today? Yeah, so I, I kind of associate it the same way I do with the the NCAA tournament. Like I distinctly remember. Like in 2022, bracket came out, like I'm feeling good. And I think KU fans just operate this way, like worst case scenario is going to happen all the time. 
And so, like, I was feeling good, and then all of a sudden, Texas Southern wins that game against Corpus Christi, and it's like, all right, so now, now it feels real, and I'm nervous now. That's kind of how I felt, you know, after I win, go early, I'm good, and then I find out I've got an actual real-life opponent in Chris, and uh, then it was like, all right, so now I'm now I'm nervous, and, and I certainly, uh, it's set in probably more than, than in previous rounds, because this is a big deal, right? Get that regional title, get that, that trophy, so uh, uh, certainly feeling it today. Well, uh, Chris, I don't know if you guys saw this because we just sent it out a little bit before recording here, but uh, we had some odds sent into us by uh, Shane Jackson, and he has both you guys listed at eight to one to win the title, which is uh, let's see, that's tied fifth for odds. Chris, do you feel like that's too high or too low? Well, there's only eight of us left, so it feels too low. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the only ones behind you are Brian and Ben uh, for those two. All right. Well, to this point, you guys have already accumulated some prizes. Gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, RCST Trivia T-shirt from River at Print and Skate, Sporting KC2 tickets. Uh, that was for making the Sizzling 16. For making the Grade 8, a blue or white number one Kansas basketball mini jersey from mini jerseys. A T-shirt, KU T-shirt from Homefield Apparel. Use code RCST at checkout for 20% off. Voucher for a free sandwich and breakfast sandwich to McDonald's. $14 car wash pass to Mr. D's Auto Wash and auto entry to Trivia next year with a top two seed. If you win today, though, you not only get a top two seed, you get a one seed in next year's RCST Trivia, though that wasn't super kind this year to the one seeds. You also get a $50 gift card to Johnny's Tavern. You get a Johnny's Tavern hat. You get an RCST Trivia Phenomenal 4 t-shirt and an RCST Trivia Phenomenal 4 hat from River at Print and Skate. You get a Phenomenal 4 trophy from Jayhawk Trophy and then obviously that elusive one seed and you keep the dream alive of getting the big screen TV at the end of the day. Chris, you are the lower seed here. You have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll stick with going second. Second it is. That means, Kyle, you are going to be up first. And the winner of this will be the winner of the Pella Windows and Doors region. And we'll start in the easy round. We are now doubling up in questions. So to move up to the media round, you'll both have to answer two easy questions right and successively on. All right, Kyle, your first question in the easy round. Kansas won 70-63 to in overtime on Senior Day in 2022 over Texas as they were led by 22 points and 10 rebounds from what starting center? David McCormick. Yep, he was the starting center celebrating Senior Day and had himself quite a game and obviously ended up being a nice boost for him in the postseason. All right, Chris, your first question. Kansas lost 76-56 to in their regular season finale this past season in 2023 at Texas, despite being led by 24 points and six rebounds from what starting four-man? Jalen Wilson. Jalen had himself a good game, but nobody really else did. And KU lost the game by 20 points. Second easy question. This one for you, Kyle. What Jayhawk wing... Wearing the number 34, earned AP All-America First Team honors in the 1997 to 1998 season. Paul Pierce. That's right, Paul Pierce. A few times this year in the tournament, we've had some confusion between Pierce and Rafe LaFrance. Chris, your second easy question. What Jayhawk big man wearing the number 25 earned AP All-America First Team honors in the 1987 to 1988 season? Danny Manning. 
Who could forget Danny Manning? All right, we made it out of the easy rounds. Two quick ones down. On to the medium round we go. Back to you, Kyle. Also known as the Gravy Train, this Kansas forward went for 16 points and 16 rebounds in the 2003 NCAA title game. A uh, quick shout out here to my little sister, Trisha Martin. This is her favorite player of all time. It would be Jeff Graves. Yeah, Jeff Graves. I'm sure the uh, the nickname made him even more endearing, that's for sure. All right, Jeff Graves, the answer. Chris, your first medium question. Known for his large afro, this Jayhawk joined Thomas Robinson and Jeff Withy as one of three KU players with eight or more rebounds in the 2012 Elite Eight game against North Carolina. Kevin Young. Kevin Young, one of the great glue guys, role players in the Bill Self era. And yeah, certainly a great afro. All right, back to you, Kyle, your second medium. What seed was Kansas in the 1994 NCAA tournament in which they lost in the Sweet 16 to Purdue? They were a four seed. They were a four seed and lost to that Purdue team in the Sweet 16. All right, Chris, your medium round question. Keep us alive and send us to the hard round. What seed was Kansas in the 1995 NCAA tournament in which they also lost in the Sweet 16, this time to Virginia? Mm. Man, they have... Ten seconds. Two seed. You were one off. The correct answer is they were a one seed, and they lost. I could not remember in that round. Three or four. And so it goes out like that, Chris. If you would have had the other question there, would you have hit the four seed on the previous year? Yes, I would have. Mm. Kyle, if it would have been reversed, would you have hit the one seed there? Uh, yeah, you got me with, uh, I answered Colgate in my last matchup who I knew was, yeah, 16. So would have been comfortable there if needed. So once again, the nineties is your comfort round, Kyle. I, it just happened to be how the questions came up. Does it, does it feel like the stars are aligning for you right now? Maybe, but it's, it's so not like if you ask me ahead of time, like what is your weakest spot? I'd be like, I don't know, like early Roy Williams years. Um, but, yeah, it's worked out for me so far. Maybe it's other people's weak spot, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of luck on my side, which after four years I think I might have had coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Chris, obviously, you know, you wanted to keep things going here. But as you reflect on your overall journey this year, making the grade eight, taking down Eric sooner than he's ever been taken out before. This has got to be one of your favorite runs so far amongst all the trivia competitions you joined, right? Oh, it's definitely been a blast. Just uh, wish I'd focused my studying on the seeds more than just the opponents on looking at tournament results. Yep, there's, there's a lot you can come out of the tournament games from. Kyle, you're headed to the Phenomenal Four for the first time in your career. Does it feel like everything you would have hoped for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and more. Uh, but I, I got to get back to probably helping Isaac here. I saw you guys made him the favorite. Uh, Chris, I, I did. Uh, I laughed a bit when I saw that hit Twitter because when they made us both the same, I was like, that was a bit of a cop-out going right into the matchup today. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel, uh, I feel pretty excited about it and, uh, I get to relax a little bit until, uh, we do it again. Well, Chris, uh, we know we'll see you around whether it's for football upcoming or, or basketball in a year. Uh, Kyle, congrats, man, moving on. And, uh, we'll see you next week in the phenomenal four. Great. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Derek. Good luck, Kyle. Wow, so that was our first match. So we have our first Phenomenal Four contestant, Kyle Martin. Congratulations to Kyle. It's been a a well-earned run for him, right? He's, he's had to endure some trials and tribulations, just like everybody does in the tournament, and he mm-hmm. has come through on top. And, yeah, a good win for him. And and I think it's interesting, the 90s stuff, right? I mean, it's it seems like it's a strength, but then he kind of said at the end there, like, he didn't even know. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very fascinating. You never know which way uh, trivia is going to bring you. Um, and that means Kyle is the winner of the inaugural Pella Windows and Doors region. Once again, all the prizes you receive for making the uh, Phenomenal Four. He gets a $50 gift card to Johnny's Tavern. Johnny's Tavern hat, RCST Trivia Phenomenal Four t-shirt, and Trivia hat from River at Print and Skate. Phenomenal Four trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, which specializes in quality custom awards, plaques, trophies, and personalized gifts gifts created right for you in Lawrence at 3341 West 6th Street and beyond the great custom awards. They're engraving experts too. get it done with JR Trophy. He's also going to get a one seed in next year's trivia. He will be taking on the winner of Ben Wilson and Justin Nichols. So um, we saw the odds and we talked about them earlier today. Do you think that, I guess, well, Ben had the lowest odds remaining. Yeah. So in theory, it's going to be Justin. If you just look at it. Right. From, from the odd standpoint. But I, I guess the way I view it, like, I think Kyle can take Justin or Ben. I, yeah. I yeah. think the odds, I think Kyle should be closer to Justin than those odds should have said. I kind of agree. And he even alluded to it as a cop out mm-hmm. with them at both the same odds, which, you know, maybe you use that as some motivation, maybe not. But, but yeah, I mean, I think at, at this stage, a Kyle and Justin matchup would be interesting because I feel like Justin has some similar strengths. And I, I don't know. I mean, with Ben, like, Ben's a wild card, right? We don't we don't really know exactly what we're going to get from him. No, we really don't because um, it's the furthest he's been, but he's been on a heater so far. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by one of our title sponsors, Riverette Print and Skate. They have screen printing and a skate shop. Embroidery and promotional products also available with art and logo creation. They are KU licensed. Skateboards, longboards, paddleboards, and safety gear, and a large selection of shoes and apparel from unknown skate brands. They can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts and hats. Follow them on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop and at Riverette Skate Shop for the skate side or call them at 7 1660 We're scheduled for two trivia matchups tomorrow. Isaac Henderson versus Sam Oliver, Andrew Wymore versus Brian Rainey. Wait, Which I one thought you, we were only I thought we were doing one a day. We were supposed switch. to, and then there was a rescheduling that happened. Okay. Um which one do you think goes deeper? Which one takes more questions to, to finish up? Mm, I think the Brian and Andrew matchup will go will go deeper. Okay. I'm not gonna say one because I feel like I'll jinx it and then <laughs> we'll get like one stinker. Yeah, that's true. You need you need to be you need, I to, need to be, be yes. You need to yeah. be not picking yeah. and not saying anything about the matchup. Exactly. RCST trivia, our fourth title sponsor is twenty third Street Brewery, a great spot to watch the game. Check out the patio, perfect for the heating weather. You can even bring your dog out there. Great service, great beer, great food. Try the new Fitzgerald Rubin. While you're uh, maybe going in to watch the Big 12 tournament with KU Baseball, you can check that out there. Check them out in Lawrence with 23rd Street Brewery. All right, that's our lone trivia matchup for the day. We'll be back for a couple coming up on tomorrow's show of RCST. i got a top 10 list I want to get to, top 10 moments of the 2022 to 2023 KU basketball season. We'll do that next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This has been RCST Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, and River at Print and Skate on KLWN. Depend on it. 
Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We have High School Sports Weekly coming at you tonight at 6 o'clock here on KLWN. And uh, we have a couple more trivia matchups coming at you tomorrow whenever we do take over after the KU baseball game. Got a top 10 list, though, that I want to get to today. It is the top 10 moments of the 2022-2023 KU basketball season. So this past season for KU. Now, before we totally get into the list, I do have some good honorable mention ones. And maybe you're going to say that any of these should be in the top 10. Um, how about the Howard game? I mean, any NCAA tournament um, win in general no, usually I'm could not, go up there. No, I'm not putting the Howard yeah, game. Yeah, 16 seed, right? No. But just in theory, when you think back to— It was to, a stressful first half. I, so I it wasn't even a great moment. It no, wasn't like you beat them by 100. Yeah, I, so I guess I almost viewed this as like top 10 memorable moments, so things you're going to remember most. And if it is just memorable moments— Typically, when you go back and think of Dude, any season, you think of their NCAA years, tournament. Right? Are you going to remember Howard? Probably not. That'll be a really hard on the trivia question. It will be. That'll, that'll we've be had sure. some 16 seed really hard questions. Yeah, we have previously, and this one even tougher because they didn't make a deep run, so you don't remember it as well. Yes. Um, McCuller's clutch defensive plays, like down the stretch. There's one specifically we'll get more into, but yeah, there were but a, lot he made a lot of them. Yeah, he made a lot of them. Uh, the final four to five minutes of that Oklahoma game in Allen Fieldhouse. That was fun. Just but coming again, back, but Oklahoma like, was really bad. You sucked for the first yeah. 35 minutes. Uh, I think crushing Indiana in Allen Fieldhouse. That was a good Very one. Very memorable. No, that's a good one. Indiana, like, blue blood adjacent, I guess, but I don't blue, know. blue blood B. Yeah. Blue blood B Red tier. blood. And then uh, stealing the ball at TCU after you beat them in an ugly <laughs> that, game that in Fort funny. Worth. That was funny, right? That was, like, one of those things where, like, it, there was some beef, but like nobody knew about no, it. No, exactly. Which was weird. And that's one, too, where you have to be on social media. So I might have just said that, and some people have been like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, they stole the ball at TCU, because apparently they stole the ball apparently in, TCU in Lawrence. Stole, yeah, stole the ball from Lawrence. Okay, on to the, the top 10 list. Number 10. Norm Roberts getting some dubs. I think when you think back that's to this one. season, that's yeah. certainly going to be something that uh, is going to be something that sticks out. It was like it was the year that Norm Roberts picked up a bunch of victories for you. He went four and zero at the beginning of the season after taking over for Bill Self. Curtis Townsend was out too from the self-imposed sanctions and suspensions. Then Bill Self has the health scare that makes Norm Roberts the head coach for the postseason at that point. Wins a couple Big Twelve tournament games. Wins the first NCAA tournament game. Obviously. Not overall what you you most hope to get blown out by Texas in the Big 12 championship. You lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, 7-2 and two overall considering you had some, you know, top-tier wins like Duke and uh, I mean, I I think West this Virginia, makes him, Iowa State. I think this makes Norm Roberts the sixth best head coach in K basketball history because there's only seven of them or whatever. He's better than James Naismith. I think he might record. be. He definitely, is, he definitely has a much better record. How much extra pub do you give James Naismith for just inventing the game? Too much, apparently. Too much, okay. So Norm Roberts ahead of James Naismith. You heard it here first. All right, <laughs> on, uh, but yeah, it was, it was cool to see for for a guy that I think is well, really well-liked around the program. Oh, sorry. That's fine. Number nine. <laughs> uh, I think number nine, the, the crazy run at the start of the Texas game. If you want to get more general, you could just say KU beating Texas. It was a top 10 matchup in Allen Fieldhouse. And they played really, really it was well. It big Monday, yeah. yeah. But specifically that crazy run at the start of the game. So KU starts really well, then Texas comes back. Then the game was, I believe it was 15-14. to 14. Texas made it a one-point game. KU goes on a 15-2 run before Texas calls a timeout. And what capped off the 15-2 run was Grady Dick hitting this like step back transition three at the left wing. They go up 30 to 16. Crowd was 
ready to blow the roof off the building. Super loud moment in a super fun game for KU. That was the number nine moment. Gustavo Fring, I mean, uh, Rodney Terry was <laughs> shaking. Oh my gosh, he does look like Gustavo number Fring. Eight. Wow, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head now. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I've never, have you ever looked at him? He, he's, he's Gustavo yeah, Fring. Yeah, from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yes. Number eight. Jalen Wilson goes for 68 points in back-to-back games. Unfortunately, there were losses to Kansas State and TCU. One where you get blown out, the other one where you lose in overtime to your rival. And I, I think specifically it's the K-State game that really sticks out. He did everything in his power to try to get KU to win that game, 38 points against oh, Kansas State. Yeah. But they just couldn't win the games. If, if KU would have won both those games and he goes for 68 in the two wins, or if they just win the Kansas State game. Let's say they just win the Kansas State game in overtime yeah. and he has 38 points. That's a top three moment of the season. That might even yes. be number one. Yeah, I mean that goes that if they win that game, that goes down as one of the best individual performances. Hundred percent, maybe in a long time. For yeah, game, right. Yeah, I mean, so he played unbelievable, and I don't want that to be forgotten. Uh, I, I think more more so when when KU fans will think back to the season, they'll they'll remember not necessarily the exact points or anything, but they'll be like, remember that one stretch that Jalen had where he was just, just putting up monster was, numbers and he, they couldn't win. He was the team. Yeah. And then nobody else stepped up and they just couldn't win games. That was part of it. 68 points in two games, but they lost both. Number seven. The Kevin McCuller block to seal the win against Oklahoma State. And specifically, this one is more of the big picture. KU was down 15 at the half yep. on the final day of the calendar year of 2022. It was their Big 12 opener. And in a year where they had multiple 15-plus point halftime comebacks, Kansas State and then North Carolina in the title game, even though it was a different season, they finished out that calendar year with another one to kind of wrap up, I don't know, what felt like to me a nice bow on on that 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 calendar year. You're yeah. down 45-30 at halftime. You come back. You, you get the late block from Kevin McCuller from behind the, the offensive player, and you seal the victory for your Big 12 opening win. Yeah, I, th- I mean, Kevin McCuller, in the honorable mentions you said it, I mean, he, he had multiple great defensive plays, but this one might be the one that stands out the most because it – literally won you the game number six the burst from grady dick to help kansas beat duke in the champions classic i think the champions classic games are are certainly more memorable memorable they're at the beginning of the year when you don't have full impressions of players it's always you know a big game it's hyped up well usually have ranked teams you're playing against another blue blood or another program that you know you very much respect in in terms of them being one of the better programs in the country and uh you know ku Looked really good in the first half, but it was one of those games where it was like, eh, they look good, but why are they only up like five? Why are they only up like seven? <laughs> and then Duke eventually got the lead, and KU went under like a dry spell offensively. Grady Dick was struggling to that point. They brought him back in off the bench. They're down 59-58. He hits a three. Then they get down one again. He dunks it to go up one. Then he lays it up the next possession. He had a seven-point stretch in just a minute, 20 seconds to really swing the game at the end and help KU get a 69-64 to victory. And I think Bill Self uh, said uh, about a month ago or, or something, a month and a half ago, how that was kind of the moment for him when he thought Grady Dick was going to be a one-and-done. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that where he was like, yeah, this dude's legit. This guy's legit. And he's he's definitely got the stones to make big plays in key, in key moments. And so that was definitely a, a, a cool moment for him to sort of arrive, right, for KU. Number five. Into the top five. And number five is getting the mojo back with a win over Kentucky. Coming into that Kentucky game, they had lost three straight games. They lost to K-State, TCU, and Baylor. And those were the stretch where Jalen Wilson was playing super well, but the team wasn't. And all of a sudden it was like, well, how many games are they going to lose in a row? 
The Bill Self KU previous, I guess, record. I don't know. It feels weird to call that a record because it's a bad thing. Um, but was losing three in a row, and they had matched that to that point. It was like, are they going to lose four in a row for the first time in the Self era? And then it was like, is it going to stop from there? Because after the Kentucky game, I think it was Kansas State who they played the the next weekday game, and then it was like Baylor at home, maybe. I I, or I, Iowa I State. actually no no wait, maybe it was, it was Texas. State. It was Iowa State. Okay, I think it was Iowa State. I don't know. Either way, schedule very, very difficult, as you would imagine, for KU and the Big 12 and everything. Um, so they, they needed to win to get the mojo back. And they went in, and they took Oscar Shibwe's rebounding out of the game. They just looked like the better team really throughout. And it was kind of the game that got them their mojo back and sent them right back on the path to getting a one seed. Yep. Once again, it was determined that Calipari is a clown, continues to be a clown, and uh, KU clowned on him. So that sucks, John. Number four. All right. uh, Number four, we go clinching the Big 12 on senior night against Texas Tech. And this, again, like a a big play by Kevin McCuller. If you remember, he had the hustle play to get the ball and lay it in. And then he had the defensive play at the other end, I believe. Or no, maybe it was Jalen Wilson. Yeah, I think it was Jalen Wilson, the defensive play at the other end. Um, But yeah, they, they had to win a close game against Tech. Really had to kind of grind through. But it clinched the Big 12 title for them. It did it on senior night, so it was a combination of the two. Then you had Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller give their speeches afterwards. Just a good night all around. Yeah, I mean, anytime you clinch the Big 12, especially like that, it's 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 a good night, right? And I think the game itself is not really that memorable because if you remember, it was kind of it was a really ugly game. Yes. Right? Like it was not a pretty it was not enjoyable basketball to watch. It was you know, it was not pleasing to the eye, shall we say. Uh but KU found a way to get the win and Got it on senior night. Got to celebrate. Got to hear some some great speeches as well. So, yeah, it was just it's just classic KU basketball, right? Late in the season, you get the chance to to clinch a Big Twelve at home on senior night, and every everything came together all on one night for KU in a positive way, uh, and a good way to sort of cap off the regular season for them. Let's get to the top three. Number three, going from down thirteen at halftime to just. Hasting Baylor with college game day in town. I mean, they went for being down 13 at halftime. And also, it was further than that in the first half. What was yes. it, like 16, I think they 17? got down by like 18. 18, maybe. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, they were up 12 at the 10-minute mark of the second half. That, so that, that means just for being down 13 at halftime, they outscored Baylor by 25 in the first 10 minutes of the second half against a Baylor team that earned a three seed in the NCAA almost, tournament. You were so excited, you almost just broke your laptop. I did. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. College game day in town, one of the bigger games of the season. Baylor's going off. You have Scott Drew, despite being up 13, complaining about the refs at halftime. And just to, <laughs> to just stick it to him in the second half, that one felt great. It was a, a big moment. Um, for KU, obviously a big victory at that and really showed kind of what this team could be in terms of once they they got going and and how it could kind of be an avalanche like that. That one was very memorable and very fun and I think that one's going to stick out in a way of like, you know, you're just going to remember how ridiculous of a... it's, It's not the same as the Oklahoma State comeback where it's like you came back and you barely fought through for a win. It just... It's one no, of those comebacks where it's like... a blasting. Exactly. It doesn't make sense that it was a blasting. Okay, two takeaways from this. Number one, I was at the game, and in the first half, all I could think was, well, crap, I am the problem. <laughs> okay? So that was bad. But then number two, we might as well call this the clown list because we just got clowns everywhere. Calipari, and now we got Scott Drew. Just clowns galore. Do you remember back in 2016 when there was just clowns running around and nobody knew why? Yeah. 
That was a weird this, this time. That's what makes me think of. Very weird just time. Clowns running around being clowns. Ridiculous. Also, that sucks, Scott Drew. Number two. Second on the list, Bobby Pettiford's game winner against Wisconsin. Okay. I have a question. What? I understand that Bobby Pettiford made the shot. Mm-hmm. But is it not Zach Clements' game winner? <laughs> no, because Bobby Pettiford <laughs> didn't make the shot. Uh, so, uh, rewind a little bit. Um... First of all, credit to Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller hit the three when they were down by three at the end of regulation. I think Zach Clements, didn't Zach Clements save like an offensive rebound or something he, after he, he missed a different three? I, probably. He missed saved the, he it. Missed got a lot it to Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller hits the three-pointer to send it to overtime. So we're tied at 63. Then in overtime, Zach Clements takes the 25-foot three with five seconds on the clock. Um, misses it, but Bobby Pettiford gets the rebound and the wraparound stick back. It was a great pass. Sure. A great pass. So, which is sad because that's two guys that obviously are no longer. Yeah, no longer with the, the team. And, you know, but you know, them, you lose with Bobby. He's going to be at least remembered a little bit for that. Okay, you. Yeah. So that'll be yeah. cool. You could make the yeah, argument. I, this I mean, is the number one. Zach Clements quote unquote legacy. Does he have one? No. I mean, people going to remember him in ten years at all? I'm not. That I mean, I'm not trying to be super mean. Yeah, I'm not trying to be rude about like, it. Say no, but I'm not I trying to be rude about it. Remember the Oklahoma game last year? No. Oh, I guess that's fair. It was on a title team, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. No, that's fair. But yeah, this is one where uh, it was another ugly game. Another game that was not pleasing to the eye. Another game that was not enjoyable to watch. And at the end, you get some heroics from some players that hadn't really been that great. And weren't really that great the rest of the season. With Zach Clements and Bobby Pettiford. Yeah. So... No, that'll be his uh, redeeming moment, that's for sure. All right, on to the top thing. Number one. I think you do those backwards. Did, Nonetheless, I, did I do it backwards? It is crushing Missouri in his, in the first trip to Columbia Wait, since 2012. Is that actually backwards? Yes, that was backwards. Oh. It's okay. This was not backwards. Okay, you crushing Missouri. Uh, all the starters played super well. KJ Adams was just dunking everything imaginable. They broke the press over and over again. They were hitting shots from the outside. Missouri yep. just looked stunned from the get-go. KU had so much energy to play with. And against what ended up being a good Missouri team, a Missouri team that ended up making the second round of the NCAA tournament, Kansas just never even played with their food in it. Yeah, I mean, this was just an annihilation. And again, if you want to go back to the clown list... Cal, Drew, Missouri. The top Just three, the entire Missouri. The top three clowns. Yes, the entire Missouri. Everything about them. The state, the university, the people, the basketball team, the players, everybody. Would you like to do a... a clowns. Would you like to do the top ten list next week? Would you like to do top ten clowns? Boy, I just, I just gave you three of them. I don't know. You could give us our top ten. I mean, you could have actual clowns on there. You could have people <laughs> you think are clowns. You could have... I don't know. It's up to you. I'll leave that up to you if you want to do that next week. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I just gave you three it. of them. Okay, I'm terrified of you know I'm terrified of scary movies. So I've never I've never seen that. Yeah, but does he deserve it on legacy alone? Well, I don't know because I've never watched or but read you know anything who about he is, him. And you haven't even watched it. So that's impressive. I know, I know who he is, but that's I impressive. Don't, I, I don't know. If you ask someone who had never watched college basketball who's John Calipari, they probably don't know. That's totally different. Mm. That's is totally it? different. It, they're both entertainment. Sports, movies? No, I think that's different. Okay. I think that's different. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. Let's uh, talk a little KU football next. We're 100 days out. 
from the start of the season. We'll get to that on the other side with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Uh, did you know coming up in a few weeks, Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic? That's exciting. Yes, yes. And uh, I think they're still announcing some of the members of K football. They're going to, or K basketball yeah. that are going to be there. Well, and, and to that notion, um, I know, so, K football's on the mind. Yeah, KU, KU baseball is going to be playing tomorrow at 12 30. Uh, we'll, we'll start our show a little bit after, you know. We don't really know when our show's going to start. No, we don't. Actually. It could. I don't know. It is could there, start on it, time. It could sure. be three fifteen. Could be three thirty. Uh, but we're scheduled to have Brian Haney on the show tomorrow. Oh, after his KU baseball game, which okay, he'll be yeah. calling here on KLWN, and he's going to tell us more about what's going on with the Ledge with the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. So uh, stick, stay tuned for that tomorrow. Did you know today is officially hundred days out from KU football? Yes, this is what was on my mind. I was just thinking hundred days mm-hmm. from football. Would you like to do a quick uh, top one hundred countdown of things you're most excited for with KU football this year? One hundred things. Yeah, one hundred things. Can you do it in five minutes? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> we will not be doing that. Um, this from uh, Athlon Sports, who I believe released their preseason magazines at this point today, which usually that's a go-to for me. I think Kevin Flaherty, who uh, was unavailable today, I think he's on vacation, um, but our lovely Kevin wrote the uh, KU preview. How dare he write something about KU and then go on vacation so we can't ask him. I know. We'll have to do that what next we, week. What? The beauty is... The football season does not start for like four months, so we have plenty of time days. to talk about the season days. preview, right? Yeah, there we go. Which that sounds sometimes when you do this stuff, it's like, oh, dude, only a hundred days. Yeah, it sounds and then so you're little. like really excited, right, but that's and then like you start thinking about it, it's and a half like, months, dude, a hundred days. <laughs> Are you serious? That's so many days. It really is. It really is. We're still in May. Think about that. We're in May. Like. <laughs> Usually it starts to feel like okay, we're starting that's to preview so the football offseason in <laughs> yeah, June that, and that, July. That's so sad. Uh, but anyway, See, now I, I'm sad. Yeah. Why do you have to do these things, Derek? So you think this is actually a bad thing? When would you like the the countdowns to start? Fifty? Mm, I think. Is that still too 50. long? Is that no, still 50. like over a month? No, fifty's good. I can start with fifty. I'm almost. Saying, I could even start with seventy five. Maybe we should do like a month out. I don't know. You want to do just like what thirty? Thirty? No, days? I don't know. Because still, like fifty days is still a long time out, right? That, fifty days is that's a long time. It is. Uh, first team preseason All Big Twelve by Athlon Sports. This is crazy. I I wonder when the last time KU had four first team All Big Twelve picks. This isn't just All Big Twelve like first, second, third team and everything. This is four first team picks: Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, Mike Nowitzki, and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Daniels is a no brainer. Devin Neal, I think, makes a lot of sense, even though he was kind of banged up for points last season. But obviously, he had a couple just phenomenal. And he had games. a lot of good running backs yeah. graduate or go yeah. pro. Bijan yeah. Robinson, Deuce yep. Vaughn, Eric Gray. I feel like I'm forgetting people, but uh, you get Kendra the gist. Miller. Yeah, Kendra Miller. Uh, yeah, but those, guy, those guys all suck. Yeah. Clearly, Devin Neal's way better. <laughs> so, yeah, Devin Neal's on there. That's good. Uh, Mike Nowitzki, I'm glad he's getting some recognition. I think he has he been— was, what, second team last year? Yeah, I think he has been the cornerstone of the offensive line for ever since he's gotten here. So I'm glad that he's finally getting recognized for, for being such a, a critical part of KU's success on the offensive line which is nice to see. And then Kobe Bryant, obviously, for the flashy plays he makes, for the interceptions he had, the pick sixes, I, th- I think he's deserving as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, nobody was on the second team. Then you go to the third team, Mason Fairchild, which that's interesting because he was second team all week 12 postseason last year. Now, obviously, this is a different publication. That's like yeah. coaches in the media. This is just one guy, basically. Or I, I don't know who all votes on the Athlon Sports one. I don't know how they put those together. Um, but it's it's different. You know, people who put it together. Sure, so yeah. that's fair. But 
I don't know. I, I think Mason Fairchild has a, a chance to be like a first-team all-conference tight end but when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue you run into with, with that is like, is the fact that KU has other tight ends that are also really talented, does that maybe detract from Fairchild's like numbers mm-hmm. to where maybe guys who don't watch every game of KU football are like looking at the numbers and they're like, well, you know, this guy didn't have his numbers weren't that great. Well, that's because, you know, you have other, you have Trevor Casey or Trevor Cardell and Jared Casey. I tried to combine them uh, also, right? So it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I think, I think he, he broke out last season and I'm really excited to see him continue on that. Yeah. Um, and then they also got Dominic Pooney on the third team. I'm so glad. I, I've been, You've I feel like I'm, I'm fighting, the of, yes. of fighting the race of how you've been fighting the good fight. Fighting the fight. Yeah. Yeah. You've been fighting the good fight for of me. Dominic Pooney being a really good offensive lineman. And I still argue, I think he's, honestly, you could make the argument, Cave's best offensive lineman. But I do understand, like Nowitzki, you as the center have more duties than, you know, what, what Pooney would do. So I, I get it. But I'm, I'm glad we got some recognition there. Third team all defense, Kenny Logan Jr. Sounds about right. This one's interesting. Rich Miller. Hmm. I think when, because, okay, when, when you look at it this way, KU has had the last two years, KU has had the worst linebacking group in the Big 12. Now, two years ago, it might have been the worst in, in the entire Power Five. Last year, I don't know that it was that, but it was still the worst in the conference. And when you look at the stats, Rich Miller would put up a lot of tackles, but it's like it's like somebody has to you know get the tackle. And most often, <laughs> even if your linebacker is not very good, they're going to end up with the most. They're just around the ball the most, right? Sure. And that's not necessarily what I'm saying about Rich Miller. I think he is a quality linebacker. But this is basically, I don't know how many linebackers they put on each team. Let's say they put three on each. That means Rich Miller is a top nine linebacker is the expectation in the Big 12 this year. Do are you, you, are think, you buying into that? I don't know that I am. Because at the end of the day, to me, KU's best linebacker is Craig Young, who was on the fourth team. So first yeah, of all, but like, it's different. Is Craig Young, do people view Craig Young as like not a linebacker? Well, I don't, to be like clear. I think he's a different position, but he was listed as linebacker in their fourth team defense. So if you are going to list okay. him as a linebacker, to me, I think he would be ahead of him. But I think there's a case like that Rich Miller, Taiwan Berryhill, and J.B. Brown, like that any of those could get beat out by the other. You know, so I, I don't know yeah. that I'm in on that, but I will say to that notion. Just, but just from talking to Rich Miller, he it's clear that he's one of the heart and soul he is. guys of the team. Heart defense. and soul of the team, so leader on the team, yeah. really smart kid, works really hard. I hope he has a breakout season. And, and I guess where I'm going with this is if he does end up being a third team all, I, I again, in the postseason, they don't give out third team. But hypothetically, if he were to be a third team all linebacker, I think you're going to feel a lot better about where this defense is going to be next year. Yeah, 100%. Because at that you, point, you okay. would have him, you'd have Craig Young, you'd have J.B. Brown, right? So, Kenny Logan, third team. Last season, he was first team in the preseason. Do you feel like it's he's it's he's right where he should be now? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that's fair. Um, I think part of the, the reason he got up to first team where the stats looked really good when he was having to make all these tackles, which is never ideal for a yeah, safety. The same thing as the Rich Miller discussion. Where yeah, and I, I thought somebody's, somebody's got to tackle somebody. He was solid last season. He might have been playing through injury. Obviously, he had the, the surgery stuff that, that was in the uh, offseason and spring ball. Um, I'm interested to see if, because that's another piece of this. If he can get back up to that first team level, yeah, that's I a mean, big he boon was, for you. He was solid but not flashy last season. Right. right. And then, uh, as we mentioned, fourth team, Craig Young. The other fourth team pick you had is Lawrence Arnold as a wide receiver. Yeah, we actually had a little bit of a discussion about Lawrence Arnold off the air about what his potential could be this season versus last season and if he can build on that. And I think it's clear he's 
probably the number one option for for KU at this point, and leading a wide receiver room that last year had no expectations. Expectations are there this season. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Do they are, do they elevate their level to those expectations, or does the expectation of hey now this is a this is a group that last year we thought was one of the worst on the team turns out they were pretty good. Can they replicate that? Pro football focus numbers were great last year for them. Um, Luke Grimm had 52 catches, which led the team. He also uh, tied for the team lead with six touchdowns. So I guess you could have argued Luke Grimm should be on here. Honestly, I'd be okay with that. Um, but Lawrence but Arnold Lawrence had the, the number yards. one outside yeah. guy. He had eight less catches, but he also had like almost 90 more yards. Or he almost had 100 more yards. Did have two less touchdowns, but also 16.3 yards per catch. And he automatically for me like he is very clearly someone who KU has not had a thousand yard receiver in a while I want to say I don't even remember if Steven Sims got there to be honest I I do this once every year and I still can't remember um <laughs> every offseason uh, like we do this of like oh could this be the year that KU finally has another thousand yard receiver and then I can just I, I can just never remember the last time that it happened uh Sims no never got he had never even got to 900 yards in a single season Man. so you got to go back to like Des Briscoe and stuff like that yeah I think Lawrence Arnold has a real chance to do that. I think potentially, yeah. I don't. Uh, the thing is, is with KU's is offense, it too spread around. So there's two thoughts here. Number one, yes, is it too spread around? There's the wide receiver room for KU is really pretty deep, and obviously we know they love to use tight ends. They love to get other guys involved. That's number one. Number two, do we think KU is going to pass the ball enough to get him that many yards? I mean, they're a pretty balanced team. You, they're going to have. Devin Neal, they're going to have, you think, a pretty healthy Daniel Highshaw. They're going to have a decent stable of running backs again, plus Jalen Daniels running the ball. Like, are they going to be passing it enough to get him there? On top of the fact that there's, it's going to be, you know, a, they're going to spread the ball around. Yeah, and you have so many guys back. It's like, well, where, where are the yards coming from? Because Luke Grimm, your uh, second leading receiver, he's back. Mason Fairchild, your third leading receiver, he's back. Quentin Skinner, your fourth leading receiver, he's back. Jared Casey, Devin Neal. Tory Lachlan, Tanaka Scott, Daniel Highshaw, Kevin Terry. Those were your top 10 receivers last year. All of them are back. And then if we go further, Trevor Cardell, Trevor Wilson, your top 12. Because, like, how is Mason Fairchild going to be a first-team tight end in the postseason mm-hmm. and, and Lawrence Arnold get 1,000 yards? It's probably one or the other, right? Yeah, I, I'd be interested to see the splits. How many yards per game passing did Kansas average with Jalen Daniels in there versus Jason Bean, right? Like That's true. If is Jaylen it way Daniels more? Is, for the, is healthy for the whole season. So Jason Bean started, what, five games? Yes. No, it's four. It's four because Jalen came back for the last two games, the Texas game and the Kansas State game, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Bean started four, but then he had the other half. So he of the started TCU. three and a half. Well, no, he four and a half. Four. four and a half. No, 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 because he missed the end of the Texas Tech game. Yeah, but then I guess drive. he got it, it back. <laughs> I'm just gonna say four and a half for the sake of this. That means that in four and a half games, he threw for 1,280 yards, which means he was at about. That feels like that was wrong math. Okay, 284 yards per game. Yeah, like, that feels like yeah, too high. 250? Um, so 284 yards per game. Jalen, meanwhile, gave you eight and a half starts, if we're going to look at it that way, because of the TCU game, and he averaged about 237 passing yards per game. I think in Jason Bean's case, it was just because they were behind in a lot of those games. Like, yeah. You think I about mean, the Baylor game, you're having to the throw the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, you're having to throw so much. Uh, but I guess realistically, so KU had thirty, almost thirty three hundred passing yards. So you're averaging two seventy ish, something like that per Is game. Is Lawrence really going to get a third of that? Yeah, that's that's a tough question. Probably not. So I think realistically, so, if you're setting the expectation, 
You Maybe probably like look for a bump. 800? Yeah. It, it was 716 last oh, okay, year. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so 800? Yeah, 800. 850 maybe? That would still be one of the higher marks for KU since yeah, that'd the be really Briscoe good. years. Yeah. Yeah, that would. I think Lawrence Arnold has potential. If he, if he does have give like 1,000 receiving. Give him 1,000 because KU is going to make the Big 12 title game and then go to the CFP. <laughs> They'll play 15 games, 1,000. Well, that would, yes. At that point, yeah, I'd feel very good about that happening if you tell me they're going to play for the college football playoff <laughs> title. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll open it up even more passing the ball this year, right? Like maybe yeah. they will just pass it more just because you have Jalen Daniels and yeah, you have I, all these receivers. Back. Uh, I think it's 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 a it's one of those things where it's a good problem to have, right? Where you have Devin Neal, you're going to have Daniel Highshaw back. You have Jalen Daniels as a runner and thrower. Lawrence Arnold, Luke Graham, Mason Fairchild, Jared Casey, Quentin Skinner. Like those are all guys that you feel pretty confident can mm-hmm. can be explosive. I'll be honest. I, I think Lawrence Arnold is the one guy on this offense that I feel like has still the most left in the tank. Maybe maybe Jalen Daniels would be the one exception there. So like, like his ceiling? Well, I, what I guess I mean by that is I feel like most of the other guys are close to their ceiling. And I, I, I don't mean to say they can't get better, but like I, I here's what I mean. I mean, I think Jared Casey's had a ceiling. Sure. Like, I, I, think, I feel like Devin Neal, like Devin maybe, Neal, maybe the production I mean, can go up if he has a healthier yeah, if season. He, if he's healthy the whole season. But he's always been really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like the offense. Yeah, but I mean, Daniel Highshaw, he's never been really fully healthy for a season. Yeah. So he's got a chance. But see, I, I just mean from like a skills base. If we're just talking about from a staying healthy standpoint, that's a different discussion. If sure. we're talking about from reaching another level with your skills, yeah. I already think Lawrence Arnold's a good receiver. I think, I mean, you're talking about a 6'5 receiver who catches the ball really well in he, traffic. Or he had a really good season. Like it would not surprise me if he had again a nine hundred thousand yard receiving season. Do you think uh, Quentin Skinner has has that extra something he could? Reach? I think he's close to what he is. I I see him as, as being kind of used, yeah, kind of a deep threat, like in a really good way. Um, like Lawrence Arnold to me can become the type of guy that would eventually be a third or fourth round pick in the NFL. I think that's saying something from the receiver position. Yeah. Whereas, like, with Mason Fairchild, you kind of know what you're going to get. With Devin Neal, you kind of yes. go know what you're going to get. And, like, those guys could still take a little bit of leaps forward, but I think the leap that Lawrence Arnold could take could go from being a really good Big 12 receiver to being, like, a true number one option in college football. So I'll be excited to see what he can do. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. Nick's got to get out of here for uh, High School Sports Weekly happening from 6 to 7 tonight on KLWN at Burgers by Biggs. Let's talk a little NBA Finals next. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST Podcast and reminder you can catch our show monday through friday from three to six live on klwn and lawrence 101.7 fm 1320 am or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the klwn app thanks for listening